Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Hey friends, just jumping in here quickly before to the start of the episode to let you know that I am celebrating the launch of the Bookwifery podcast in a really special way, and I hope you'll join me. In fact, I can't do it without you, so I hope you'll choose to participate. This show is launching with four foundational episodes, episode zero and episodes one through three. These four episodes are really important to help you kind of situate yourself within the landscape of book publishing and your own personal um, potential for book pregnancy in order to know how to move forward. What I'd love is for you to share with me after you listen to these first four episodes, what it is that you learned is true for you about your book pregnancy. I'm going to gather up all the responses I received to that question and do a super special episode of the Bookwifery podcast that allows me to read what people shared they learned was true for them about their book pregnancy and then offer a personal response to each one of you. I'm super excited about this. I love the chance for some sense of community that it will provide right here at the beginning and also just the chance to learn like what is the discernment that's happening? What is the learning that's happening about what's true for you in this process? If you'd like to participate, I'm going to ask that you do so by June 30th, 2018, and you can submit your response to me in one of two ways, either on Instagram at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by email at Christiane at bookwifery.com. Those details are also available to you in the show notes for any of the foundational four episodes. If you go to bookwifery.com slash podcasts, navigate to episode zero, one, two, or three, you'll find details on how to submit your response there too. So I hope you'll participate and join with me in celebrating this really fun launch of this new podcast. Thanks so much. Hello, and welcome to this episode zero episode of the Bookwifery podcast. This is ground zero, which is kind of how I've been thinking about this very first episode. I love listening to other podcasts when they um, do an episode zero at the very beginning of their show. If I find a new show and it's been going on for a while, I love to go back to the beginning first and listen to their episode zero. Sometimes it's the episode one, but for me, I've noticed that when they title it episode zero, it kind of allows it to be the standout um, intro episode that is a little bit different than what the rest of the show will be like because it's a chance for kind of the the video camera to turn on the host of the show a little bit, kind of metaphorically, and the host gets a chance to introduce herself, kind of give a little bit of her background, her intent for the show, and I just love listening to those episodes. It gives me a chance as a podcast listener to get to know the host a little bit more personally, especially if the show itself usually focuses on other people or other topics, um, kind of like isn't isn't a personal podcast where the show is about the person hosting it, but is a podcast about a subject or um, other people. So this show is going to be about a particular subject, but um, which is why I thought doing an episode zero would be helpful, so that you know where the subject content is coming from. Who is this person behind the mic that you're listening to in your ears? So my name is Christiane Squires. I am the owner of a company called Bookwifery. It, it, it marries book publishing with the midwifery 
metaphor. So um, the birthing metaphor, the pregnancy metaphor. And I'm going to tell you in this episode how bookwifery came to be, why that metaphor was chosen for the work that I do. I'm going to tell you about my professional background that brought me to being the person who eventually launched bookwifery in September of 2016. Um, And I'm also going to tell you my intent for this podcast. What is it going to provide to you? Um, How do you know if this is the kind of show for you? And also, there's a little line in the intro that talks about healing the world with light. And I want to unpack that a little bit for you as well in this episode. What does that even mean? So again, my name is Christiane Squires. I'm so glad you're here. I've been wanting to launch a podcast for many years, and I'm so glad that Bookwifery has presented itself to me as really the the heart for the first podcast I would ever get to finally do. So let me tell you a little bit about who I am and then get into my professional background. As of this recording, I am 39 years old. I live in Central Florida, a little cute town called Winter Park. Um, It's kind of like the little jewel of Central Florida. It's got brick-lined streets and beautiful homes and um, beautiful hanging moss on huge, really old oak trees and lakes everywhere where the sunlight dances off the lake. So yeah, I pinch myself regularly that I get to live here, even though I hate the the heat and the humidity. (laughs) So I'm married to a man named Kirk. We've been, we are just about to celebrate our 12th anniversary next week at the time of this recording. I moved here to Florida when we got married from central, from, I'm sorry, from Southern California, which is where I was born and raised. So I am a Southern California girl at heart. I live in central Florida, but, um, really, um, my deepest love and desire is to live in a place that's a little bit cooler and maybe rainy and overcast all the time. Cause I just find that to be really cozy for reading and for writing. I consider myself a pluviophile as they call it. Um, so I'd love to be living in the Pacific Northwest or in the Cotswolds region of England someday. So that's a little bit about who I am personally. Oh, and I should also mention we have two cats, Aslan and Lucy. Aslan's a tabby. He's um, the youngest. He's just about two years old right now. He's super fun and playful. And Lucy is his older sister. She's about four. And she's um, less affectionate than he is, less play- less um, crazy-minded than he is, but playful in her own own surprising ways. Anyways, I mentioned them because they show up in my Instagram feed all the time. And so just want you to know they're part of our, they're a very active part of our life as well. Okay, let's get to the real things. (laughs) All right. So professional background to tell you a little bit more about who I am and what I do and why I do what I do. um, I'll tell you some of the kind of marquee lights, kind of bullet points of of who I am. And then I'll tell you some story behind that. So um, I am a book editor who has been working in publishing and editorial for almost 20 years. I got my first start straight out of college in the year 2000. So as I mentioned, I'm 39. So I've been out of college for almost 20 years now, and I went straight into the editorial field upon graduation. Um, And prior to graduation, I also did some internships at a magazine publishing, uh, I mean, a journal, a journal, which is similar to a magazine, an academic journal. And I also worked as a news intern at a newspaper for um, about three months and got to write a lot of feature articles for them. Um, But anyway, uh, yes, so went straight into editorial work straight out of college and um, have been doing that ever since. But in the year... 
2008, so about 10 years ago, I while I was in the middle of completing a business graduate degree, I experienced a call to ministry and I decided once I well I realized once I finished my business degree, I was going to need to go back to school again for greater equipping in the area of soul work and spiritual formation. So then I went on to get a three-year graduate degree in spiritual formation and leadership, as well as a three-year certificate in spiritual direction. So for 10 years, I was being trained and starting to work in the area of spiritual formation and the life of the soul alongside the work that I was doing as a book editor. So I'm going to tell you the story about like kind of all of those movements, but I want you to know that coming into this work at Bookwifery, I marry both my soul work and my book and publishing work together. So that's what I love about Bookwifery is it's a marrying of word and soul. It's a midwifing of word and soul for each of the authors that I work with. And so it's really important to me that authors I work with through my courses um, and you listening to this podcast, and if you have any other encounter with Bookwifery online, either through my weekly birth notes that I send out or my um, engagement on Instagram, which is my favorite online platform, um, outside of doing things on my website, that that you feel the sense of spirit and um, grounding in um, grounding in the yeah the life of the soul um, alongside everything that I'm working to do to support you on the book pregnancy side of what you're doing and what you're about. So let's go back to the beginning. Um, My mom likes to tell me that I learned how to read at age three. Um, and I and she says, no, you learned how to read in a real way at age three. You would go to preschool and pull books off the shelf that were like adult books, and you would read them to your class. And your teachers would come out, your preschool teachers would come out to meet me at the car afterwards and say, like, she can read. And I would tell, and my mom says, I would tell them, I know. And they would say, no, like, she can really read, like real books. And my mom would say, yeah, I know. <laughs> so um, I have been reading books since then. I mean, I've always loved them. And uh, my, my family also liked to tease me when I was growing up because whenever they found me, I would have a book in my hand I would ha- or I'd have my head in a book, whether it was, you know, on the couch or in my bedroom at home or at a restaurant, I would bring books with me to dinner when my family would go out to dinner and I would read at the table at the restaurant. I would read on the floor of department store fitting rooms while my mom was doing her shopping. I would read um, in the corner at my grandparents' house at holiday gatherings my cousins and my aunts and uncle like to tease me about that as well. And then I would also read in the backseat of the car whenever we were going anywhere. So my family loved loved to tease me when I was growing up saying that once I got my license and could drive, I wouldn't know how to get anywhere because I wouldn't know where anything was because I had spent my whole life up to that point reading in the backseat of the car. <laughs> so, so all of which is to say that books have been a part of my life from the beginning and they have always been my very first love. When I got to be a junior in college, I had kind of this revelatory moment of realizing that I could parlay that love for books and reading into a professional career. And it suddenly occurred to me that I could actually work in book publishing. I don't know why it had never occurred, occurred to me prior to then, but I event, I immediately turned my attention in that direction, started taking all the English literature classes I could, taking as many creative writing classes as I could, um, started working with... Um, really enjoying the editorial process of creative writing classes where you workshop um, other people's stories and things like that. And then, like I mentioned already, did an internship at a newspaper and an internship at a 
journal slash magazine, where I got to shadow the managing editor and the editor in chief and really see what it's like to not only run a publication, but also edit writers. I would watch the editor in chief, like I would read through his editorial comments and I was just amazed at what he could bring out of the words that were presented to him in the article drafts that writers had submitted. Um, so out of college, I went straight into the editorial field. Um, there were no book publishing companies that I could find in Southern California where I was living at the time. So I got a job at an international nonprofit as a staff editor. And they set me to work, first of all, doing a lot of copy editing, which means I got my kind of feet wet or my my editorial grounding in all of the technical aspects of writing and editing. So I was boning up on all the style books that I could, Associated Press Style Book and the Chicago Manual of Style. Chicago Manual of Style is the industry standard for book publishing and the Associated Press Style Book is the industry standard for newspapers and magazines. And my company uh, that I worked for used both because we published both books and kind of more magazine, newsletter, direct mail media. So I had to learn both style guides, also did all the technical editing of all of the content that we were producing. So I was paying attention to grammar and punctuation and syntax, all of that, and got really strong in that area. Kind of enjoyed it maybe a little too much. <laughs> I was a little obsessive about that. But eventually they, they allowed me to start editing um, the writers for content and their ideas and the way that they articulated things. And I received immediate feedback on the way that I went about doing that from a couple of the writers that I edited on staff there and learned that they really appreciated not only the meticulous kind of technical and developmental editing work that I did, but also the way in which I communicated my feedback to them about the changes that I made to their manuscripts and so, or their articles or, or pieces. And, um, just, I remember one day, um, this writer named Jason on, on staff came into my office and he's like, are you Christiane? And I said, yeah, he's like, I'm Jason XYZ, whatever his last name was, obviously not going to share that here. <laughs> um, and he sat down and he said, you just edited my book, um, my study guide that, you know, and I said, yeah. And he said, I just needed to meet you because I really appreciated the way that you went about it. And, and I said, oh, I'm so glad because it was like my first book length work that I had edited. And he just really, um, he helped me learn that I was on the right track professionally, that I was doing good work. And even though I was at the very beginning of my career, so that's kind of some of like the Genesis story of where I started as an editor. Um, over the next 10 years or so, I took on a number of different um, roles in in working with words. I worked for three years at an honors college um, as the writing director, so I was kind of overseeing all of the aspects of the um, the thesis papers and you know the the technical and ideation development um, kind of in the initial stages for all of the students in the honors college, um, which I really learned a lot doing. I was helping them kind of hone the the ideas and the word use, like bringing discipline to their words and their ideas. That was kind of my job. That's what I kind of took as my mission was helping them bring discipline to that, uh, both the ideas and the words. And I um, enjoyed that and hope I did some good work there. 
Um, Also have worked over the years um, as an associate editor at a book publishing house, a traditional book publishing house, Um, have worked as a staff editor um, for print magazines, um, different um, online media companies, um, like kind of online magazine companies. Um, I have been hired privately by writers to help them write or edit their books, um, ghostwrite sometimes. Um, I've been hired to create websites and blog and kind of run the blogs of some writers. And what else? I was a manager at a Barnes and Noble for a season, which was really fun um, and taught me a lot about the retail aspect of book publishing. Um, and then I guess what I'll say too is that that very first job I had out of college at that international nonprofit where I started to get my feet wet that company moved to another state about nine months after I got there. So I had to find a new job. And my boss at that job, that first job, um, started his own communications firm out, you know, once the company moved, he started his own company because he wasn't moving with the company either. And he hired me to do some freelance work for him, which I um, was so grateful to have the chance to do um, because it it opened me up to the possibility that I could work freelance for companies and writers kind of on the side while I was doing my normal full-time job work during the day. And I, I did freelance evermore after that from that very first, you know, post first job experience of, of my old boss hiring me to do some freelance work for him, continue to do freelance work, you know, ongoing throughout the next, I don't know how long <laughs> I only stopped doing freelance probably about a year ago, um, a t- year or two ago, once Book with Free started really um, coming to life. So, um, but I will say that um, at some point, actually, while I was working at the associate as the associate editor um, for the book publishing house back in 2006, 2007, I um, left that job to go back to school full time to get a graduate degree in business. And um, at that point, while I was in school, I really turned up the volume on the freelance editorial work that I was doing, and particularly turned my attention to doing freelance book editing. So I was the the company I had just left in order to go back to school started hiring me to do freelance book edits for them really regularly. And then I also started to develop relationships with a few other book publishers, either locally or long distance, and um, was able to start doing editorial work on their book catalogs as well. And so eventually over, you know, that next little season realized I was working full time out of my own home as a freelance book editor. And I loved that. It was like, oh, yeah, books, books again, my very first, my first love, my always love. Um, And so I just knew that book editing was the thing for me, Um, rather than kind of like online editing, um, magazine editing, all these other things that I had done, I really just always came back to loving editing books. I loved the breadth of ideas, the depth of ideas. I loved kind of getting to go deeper into the ideas with an author and like get at what they were really trying to say. And Oh yeah, there's just so much <laughs> to to book editing and I I really enjoy kind of what it opens up as a possibility between the editor and the writer in terms of relationship and also development of the work. Um So let me tell you a little bit now about the turn of my story where I said that I went back to school for a business degree and then discerned a call to ministry. I had noticed in that season that one of the reasons I went 
I decided to leave my full-time job and go back to school for business was because I was noticing as I was coming into work every day that my heart was growing more and more in affection for my coworkers and the authors that I was working with, like caring more and more about their lives and what God was doing in their life and what their hearts were speaking, um, even more than the the work on the page or on the screen that I was doing. I thought, okay, I've really learned the skill of being an editor, but now what I'm really caring about is the people around me. And I thought that I wanted to launch a company that would help people in some way. And so, um, so that's when I went back to school for business and then realized, actually, I have a call to ministry. And so um, felt really intimidated by that and felt like, who am I to, you know, help people with their souls? And so that was the kind of motivation to get even more education and training. So three years um, being trained as a spiritual director, three years um, studying spiritual formation. And um, that led to the development of um, kind of this second track of my life that started running parallel with this book editing, freelance book editing that I was doing full time out of my home in this at this by this point. And then I started after as I was being trained and and began to graduate from my programs, um, also adding in kind of this other parallel track where I was working in this area of spiritual formation and spiritual direction. And I started something an, an an effort through that called still forming. And it's, um, you can still find the website. It's still alive. And well, it's, it's alive, but it's not necessarily doing a lot (laughs) in the world. I haven't touched that website for probably a year now. Um, but stillforming.com exists. And it's a place where I started out offering contemplative meditations, um, for the benefit of people's formation and eventually started to offer spiritual direction to readers of the blog um, created a couple small courses along the way and then in the last year or so of its life of my work at still forming um, felt had felt a nudge to start a community around formation and so we had a private Facebook group where I was writing formational materials that we would go through together like have a season where we were doing um, we were exploring the invitation of God in our life, the current invitation, and what it's like to notice and respond to an invitation of God in our life. Um, we had another series, or not series, but another kind of um, season where we went through the found, the foundational principles of spiritual formation and um, really enjoyed creating materials for that community. I think at the end, we had about 450 people in the private Facebook group. It was really hard for me to make the decision to stop working at Still Forming, but it was a discernment process where I realized what was going on interiorly for me personally in my own life with God, but also what was emerging for me professionally through bookwifery. I knew that I couldn't continue to sustain the work I was doing at Still Forming. I needed some space for my own soul to be tended, and I also needed space for what bookwifery was becoming. So let's talk about that. Um, I think all along when I was running those two, my, running my life was running along those two parallel tracks of like freelance book editor to kind of create the income that my you know I was contributing to our household and spiritual formation practitioner that I was doing just out of a sense of vocation and call. Um, I just kept wondering for several years, like, where is this going? (laughs) I felt like eventually I probably was going to um, start doing spiritual formation work full time in some way. Um, I didn't know how that was going to happen. But since that had been kind of the second 
you know, life of my professional work in the world. Uh, it was the one that came later, the one that seemed to go deeper and deeper into my heart. I thought that that would be the one I would do full time eventually, and that the book editing would somehow like phase out or something. And I just held that question for a long time, and I was getting kind of tired, like just like like panting a little bit because I was trying to continue doing both at the same time. It was a lot to do, um, even though it, it was good work and I loved it and I was grateful for it. But yeah, what happened was three good friends of mine, of kind of separate from each other, approached me in this season, like just this period of time, in like between 2015, 2016, and each kind of in their own way said, I'm working on a book project. I know you're a book editor. Would you work with me on my book? And I was like, yes, that would be amazing because each of them have profound gifts to offer the world. I love what they're about. Uh, They're dear friends of mine and each had an opportunity to contribute something really meaningful to the world. And I, and I loved them and I thought, wow, the chance to partner creatively with them would be just a gift. And so I said, yes. And what I didn't know was that bookwifery was starting to be born because as I worked with each of those authors over the course of their um, their book pregnancy, basically the gestation and development and ultimate delivery of their books into the world, um, I began to have an experience where my background in book publishing and editorial was being paired with my background in spiritual direction and um, you know, a lot of the work of spiritual direction, if you're not familiar with it, is really the work of discernment, noticing where God is in your life, however you name God, noticing what the invitation for your life or with a particular thing that's happening, what the invitation might be, noticing how you're responding to that invitation, like interiorly, um, noticing how you want to say yes or no to that invitation. It's just a lot of like, so the work of discernment is about listening and noticing and responding and being kind of in partnership with God, however you name God, the holy, the sacred um, in your life. And so with these three friends who were both, who were all three publishing these beautiful books into the world, I was able to bring that piece of who I am into our work together. There were so many times with each of them where we were having discernment conversations about, you know, them discerning their publishing path. Were they going to self-publish or go traditional publishing? We were discerning specific, like the inclusion of specific stories or how they might want to be told in a book. Um, Questions about like design and cover design and interior design. And, um, you know, for for those that chose self-publishing, it was like, what is the book trying to, what is the face of the book trying to be, wanting to be, and, um, you know, considering book launch celebrations and like, what would be the most fitting way to go about this, given the spirit of who you are and the spirit of this book in the world. And there was just such a deeper, richer experience to that book birthing process than I had ever experienced professionally before. You know, I'd worked on teams with other editors before where each of us kind of had a different role on the project, or I would, as a freelance editor, contract editor, I would, um, I would talk to the author in the comments on the manuscripts and like try to tend to their spirit as the writer of that book while I was telling them about changes I was suggesting or changes that I made. But there was never really this deep exchange that had happened in my experience with authors before until these three. 
And so it was kind of like this aha moment of, oh my gosh, like who I am on both tracks of my life can exist in one expression. They can, they can marry and become, they can merge. These two tracks can merge and become one thing. And so that's where Book Whiffery came from. Um, I remember riding on a bike trail one afternoon and I was thinking about all of this and like what my experience had been like with these three authors and how life-giving it was. And this phrase kind of traveled across the front of my mind and it said midwife of soul and word. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is what this is. I've been midwifing the soul for at that point, hmm, maybe about eight years. And through my spiritual direction and formation work, I'd been midwifing the soul. That had been kind of the thrust of my work there. And then I'd been midwifing books, um, you know, kind of less in that you know, front and center midwifing role with the, you know, past almost 20 years at that point um, of years of, or maybe at that point, like 16 years of experience. But with these three authors, that really was what it felt like. I had worked with them from, you know, almost conception to completion, to delivery, I should say. And it was like working hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, um, helping them bring this book out of them. And so it was this like, whoa, this is a new thing that's coming to life. So I've been working at Book Whiffery ever since then. Um, it launched in September 2016. And I want to tell you a little bit about the journey of Book Whiffery and how I've learned what this work here is about and how it's meant to serve you and also how that connects to my intent for this podcast. So I appreciate you indulging me in all of this storytelling, but I hope you find it valuable to get to know the voice behind the podcast, um, my heart for this work and my heart for you and how I have in my own way um, been discerning my pathway forward all along to get here and, um, at, and the connection between my own personal work and discernment in my life my work life um, with the discernment um, presence and processes and um, invitations that I seek to offer you um, here on this podcast and also through the work that I do invite others to to work with me at Bookwifery. So let's talk a little bit about the journey of Bookwifery and how it's become what it is today and how it connects to that whole like healing the world with light idea that I mentioned at the beginning. So when I first started Bookwifery, I just continued forward with what I had experienced with those three individuals. So I made myself available to work in a one-on-one capacity with authors as kind of their book midwife and um, loved that. I mean, it had been so rich and meaningful for me to do it with those first three, and it continued to be rich and meaningful for me to do that one-on-one with new authors that came along. Um, But what I learned after about a year of doing that was that for me, working one-on-one with authors to birth their books from conception to delivery and beyond, you know, even into the postnatal support, um, it was... It, it, it was such a deep dive and such a long-term um, partnership that I could I couldn't um, I couldn't sustain it at the level I would need to sustain it if I was going to, to like continue to make this a, a I don't know like allow the business to continue <laughs> like if financially um, if I were to do it at an energetic level energetically sustainable level, the financial connection to that was not sustainable. But if I, if I did it at a financially sustainable level, then I was 
exceeding my personal capacity to do it well. And so then my energetic um, capacity would dwindle. So it was like I couldn't find, at least at that point in time, I couldn't find a way forward that was going to like not result in me flaming out um, or not result in this just being kind of a hobby I was doing on the side, you know, kind of just at, for fun for for the few people that might come along. It was like, I know this wants to be something real. Bookwifery is a company and it needs to sustain financially itself, but it needs to be sustained in a way that also connects to what I can do um, just within my own capacity as a person <laughs> offering these gifts to the world that I have to um, to do midwifery of the soul and word. And so I started kind of realizing I needed to do a reset. I needed to reevaluate how I was going about the work that I was doing. And this was um, the fall of 2017 that this was happening. And I started to notice a few things. One is that up to that point, I had been saying yes to any project that came along that I felt a connection to, like my own spirit connection to the project and to the author and felt like I could be a good companion to them. Um, and, And it didn't matter what category the book was in. So I I said yes to fiction. I said yes to memoir. I said yes to general nonfiction. And it just was like, if, you know, I had, I had prior experience working all three of those categories. And if I felt a connection to the author and to the project, I said, yes, if I had the room to do it, I had, I said, yes. And so one of the things I reflected on was whether that too was sustainable because fiction Creative nonfiction, which is memoir as a part of that, and general nonfiction each have a very unique um, publishing path and a different set of skills required. And so I was learning that by saying yes to every project that I felt a connection with (laughs) and author, um, I was having to kind of balance myself on all these different wires for like, okay, what is the path going to be for this person who's working in fiction versus this person over here who's doing general nonfiction and making sure that I'm supporting them both in the skills that they needed to do that well and in the publishing path that they would need to do um, in order to bring the book into the world. And it was like, there were so many different variables for each category. It was a little bit like a jungle gym for me to, to, to do that well. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this well long-term. And so I realized I needed to choose a, choose one category to specialize in. And in the next episode, the official episode one of the book with free podcast, you'll learn, a, you'll learn about each of those three categories that exist in book publishing and, um, what it means for me to, to be working in the category that I, ultimately chose, um, which is general nonfiction. So you'll hear more of that, that information in the next episode. But I did make a decision that I would specialize in general nonfiction. Another reason that I, um, I thought this would be a good fit is because in general nonfiction, there are specific things that every author of general nonfiction needs to do, needs to learn and needs to do. And there's like a, there's a very particular publishing pathway. And um, as I was working with authors one-on-one in the general nonfiction category, I was noticing that once they got to a certain point, I had to kind of teach them one off in one off moments um each of these things that like eat all of them were going to have to encounter at some point and i thought i kept finding myself thinking like i wish that i could create a course that like would allow the author once they were ready to learn this to step through it so that like i could make it as strong and supportive as possible rather than trying to teach them one on one in you know 
video conferences that we would do um, on random days. And I just thought, I want to I want to create a process that really teaches them what they need to know and teaches make and it helps me know that they're all getting the same information they're all being walked through the through the process in the same way and I'm not kind of just doing it ad hoc kind of as it comes up when it needs to come up and the other thing that that I noticed as I was working with my general nonfiction authors was that this path is about more than just the book when you are um, publishing in general nonfiction you have to attend to a Two, what I've identified as two other variables in the book pregnancy, and that is not just your book, but also your voice and your audience. And those are two aspects of general nonfiction that publishing that have to be tended all along the way of book pregnancy alongside the growing of the book and the delivery of the book. And so a lot of authors, when they realize they're pregnant with a book, they just start diving into the writing of the the whole draft. And um, they're just focused on the book. And it's such a huge undertaking that it's like, it makes so much sense that they would put blinders on and they would say, okay, I am in a season of my life where I am working on a book. And so, you know, creating a schedule for themselves where they show up at the, at their computer every day or, um, you know, blocking out a weekend where they're working on the book and they're really focused on the manuscript. The only trouble is that by the time they get done with their draft, two things have happened that um, aren't necessarily in their best interest. Number one, um, they haven't spent any of that time along the way also cultivating their audience and their voice. And uh, and I have a kind of a unique way of defining voice, which we'll get to in future episodes as well. But they haven't been working on that because they've been just focused on the book. And so they're kind of at a disadvantage when it's time to start looking for a publisher because they haven't done these other two pieces that are really necessary in order for a publisher to say yes. So that was one thing that they were they were um, not realizing um, they needed along the way. And then number two is that they would work so hard on the full draft of the manuscript because it was such a clear and compelling invitation that they didn't necessarily know that they didn't have to write that whole manuscript in order to pursue a publisher. Because in, I mentioned how every category of publishing has different requirements for publishing. General nonfiction as a category um, you only need to write three sample chapters and a book proposal to to officially go out and seek out a publisher or an agent. And so um, most you know new writers don't know that, and so they're just working on the full manuscript and don't know that they don't have to do all of that before they actually engage a publishing partner. And so, so there were these two ways in which I was seeing authors who came my way were were kind of putting the cart before the horse or kind of being caught out at the end where they hadn't done things that they needed to do earlier on. And because my focus was like helping you birth your book, I didn't realize that like like I knew I was doing good work helping them birth their actual books, but I started to realize I needed to add more into the process that allowed them to also be birthing their voice and their audience along the way. So Bookwifery at that point broadened its understanding to or its offering to say, um, you know, you're here to birth your book, but you're also along the way tending to these other two factors, your voice and your audience, that are necessary things to also be birthing along the way or tending or cultivating. And so that has created the tagline, your book, your voice, your audience. So I realized that in um, moving in the direction of offering courses, which is what I do now, I've transitioned away from one-on-one work to doing courses, I could walk these um, authors of general nonfiction through the process of book pregnancy from you know, what to expect when you're expecting, 
a book pregnancy to the first trimester, second trimester, third trimester of book pregnancy and delivery and postnatal care. Um, you can tell I love to go deep into this metaphor. It's so true. Um, and so I love it because it allows me to do that thing that I knew was needed, which was helping them all learn what they needed to learn along the way in a way that makes sense and is structured and, um, isn't just happening in these kind of on the fly conversations. There's like an actual process and courses that teach you what you need to know, but also make sure that we're tending to all three aspects of the book pregnancy, your book, your voice, your audience all the way through. So that's where we are today. Um, I now offer courses, online courses. Not all of them have been built out yet. I'm about in the next month going to be launching the second trimester course, but the four-week book pregnancy planning course, which is kind of like what to expect when you're expecting a book pregnancy, that one is is um, is is launched, and as is the first trimester course. And like I said, the second trimester course will begin being offered um, within this next month or so. Um, and then the third trimester course will be built out later this year. But just offering the courses as my students are starting to move through them and be ready for the next step. So, um, but now I want to tell you about this healing the world with light piece. And um, what happened was that, well, I should say that when you're a small business owner or any business owner, Um, my experience is that you're constantly looking at what you're doing. You're constantly refining it. You're constantly learning from what you're doing and making tweaks. Um, and one of the things that I'm constantly asking myself as uh, an entrepreneur is, who is my ideal customer for this? Who is this really? Who is Bookwifery really meant to serve the best? And um, one of the ways that I find it helpful for me to hold that question is to look at the people that Bookwifery is actually serving. And what it is that they all have in common in terms of like those who are continuing along in the process um, seem to be really engaging the material, seem to be making um, just really, really resonating with what's being offered here and and seeing progress in their book pregnancy, like successful, viable pregnancies are happening. When I look when I looked at one day earlier, you know, a few months ago, I looked at all the students that were enrolled in my courses and I was like, okay time to do another evaluation. Like, what do they all have in common? What am I noticing is kind of the the overlapping um, layers that they share? Um, what's kind of the current that, that flows among them that is resounding among all of them? And I just, this one afternoon, as I was reviewing my list of students enrolled in my courses, I just got almost blinded with light. Like, I'm like, okay, there are student these students are doing incredibly beautiful yet quiet strong work in the world there was like this beautiful spirit of seeking to help heal the world um, in their own unique ways. I had a student at the time who was, um, well, you know what? <laughs> I have some of them listed on my about page at bookwifery.com slash about because, and I would encourage you to just go check out uh, the list of people that I gave as examples there, because if I try to articulate them here on this podcast, we could be here for a really long time because what they have to do, what they're doing and how I would want to talk about them wouldn't do them jo- justice here. Um, Suffice it to say that each of them in their own unique ways um, are working on book projects that are helping to heal the world in some way, healing from trauma, healing from grief, healing our relationship with the the sacred and the divine. Um, Yeah, there's just there was so much that was just looking to contribute something of depth and 
positive um, energy and um, helpfulness. And I just, I thought, okay, these are light bearers. Like it kind of came to me that, that these, each of these students are light bearers in some way, like what they are bearing inside of them, you know, as you bear a baby, as they're growing their, their book, um, it's light. And as it comes into the world, it's helping to heal the world with light and how much we need more of that in this world. So that is what caused me to realize that Who Book Whiffery Best Serves are, number one, authors of general nonfiction. Number two, authors who really resonate with this kind of merging of the the kind of technical work of book publishing and the spiritual work of discernment. Um really valuing the merging of those two, marrying of those two, and then number three, working on projects that are going to heal the world with light in some way. And I'm going to talk more about this healing the world with light concept in in a future episode because I'd like to go deeper into that and explore with you what that might look like in your own life because I don't mean it to be some grand, you know, bravado. It's um like some big thing that you're doing on a stage. Um a lot of these authors I'm working with are doing it in their own quiet, beautiful way. Um, but it's deep work and it's good work and it's necessary work and it's helping people in some, you know, soul deep ways. So I, I wonder if that speaks to you. (laughs) That's really what we're about here is helping you birth your book, your voice, your audience through, through discernment, companionship and guidance and, um, doing it in such a way that you can help heal the world with light through your book. So going forward on the podcast, um, the first couple, the first few episodes that I'm launching with, episodes one through three, are kind of um, baseline episodes. They are book, they are episodes that help you learn, um, that that situate you in your concept of your book, the book project you have in mind, um, help you situate it in the context of the three categories of publishing: fiction, creative nonfiction, or general nonfiction. Um, I work. Like I have already said, I work um, ex- exclusively with general nonfiction through my courses at Bookwifery. So um, that first episode is going to help you learn about those three categories. And if you're landing in the place of general nonfiction, then then everything that follows at Bookwifery is for you. Um, in that first episode, if you realize that you're really being invited to write fiction or creative nonfiction, um, I want you to know right away that that's the case for you, so that you can go find the resources that will help support you in that work. Um, but what I'm doing here is supporting authors who are pregnant with books in the general nonfiction category. So episode one is teaching you about that. Episodes two and three are a pair that go together and they are the process of discerning whether you are pregnant with a book. So um, it's like um, it's material I normally offer in a free workshop that I that I run. Um, And I still run those workshops, but I wanted this podcast to provide kind of the nine key questions for discernment um, that help you discern if you're pregnant with a book and the four key factors that that every author needs to know if they're going to pursue publishing in general nonfiction. I wanted to put these two episodes on the podcast right at the beginning so that if you're holding the question of whether you're pregnant with a book, you have a process to go through that can help you think through and discern your way forward with that at any given time. Um, You don't have to to wait for a workshop to be offered um, to go through that discernment process. So those are the first three um, official episodes for the podcast. But going forward from there, um, the the episodes are going to support you if you have discerned you are indeed pregnant with a book. So this podcast is for you if you will be working in the category of general nonfiction 
and you have already discerned that you're pregnant with a book, and again, if you haven't, those um, episodes two and three are really where you want to go to start doing that discernment work. But beyond that, episode four and beyond will be supporting you if you realize your pregnancy stick has, has come back positive and you are beginning the path of book pregnancy or even further along in the path of book pregnancy. I want to support you in the cultivation of your book, your voice, and your audience every step of the way. So that's what I have to share with you. Thanks for listening. I felt a little bit awkward turning the camera on myself or the microphone on myself, I should say, um, to tell you about me, but I thought it would be helpful for you to have some context for who I am, what I do, why I do it, and how it's meant to serve you. Um, Everything that you can want to learn about bookwifery, um, well, I shouldn't say everything, um, but I, I will say I will direct you to bookwifery.com, which is the website that will give you more information on um, the things that I offer here. Particularly, I want to direct your attention to um, two things. One is bookwifery.com slash courses is where you can learn about the courses that are available at bookwifery and sign up for any waiting lists that might be there if we're not currently open for enrollment. Um, if you are, if we are open for enrollment, you'll see that as is available as well. Um, and then number two um, is that I, I mentioned the free online workshop that I offer that helps you discern if you're pregnant with a book. I try to offer that every couple months for people. Um, I think these next two, these two episodes on the podcast, episodes two and three, will be helpful for you as kind of a getting started. But you can access um, two things in, in connection with this. Number one is at bookwifery.com slash discernment. You can go ahead and download a free discernment guide, and it walks you through, gives you space to, to write down your answers to each of the nine questions that we cover in episode two. And then in, in conjunction with that is bookwifery.com slash workshop is where you'll go to sign up for either the next workshop that's being offered in the near future or the waiting list to, to be informed when that next workshop will be offered um, so that you can actually have a space to work through your discernment if you don't feel like you're getting to that place of clarity on your own. So thanks so much for listening. I cannot wait to continue this journey with you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my birth notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>